This is a Cross and Crown Church production. For other resources, please visit crosscrownchurch.com. Book title, The Kingdom Driven Life. Author, Sunday at Elijah. Published by Cornerstone Publishing. Copyright 2015. Narrated by Jason Garwood. Chapter 5. Preeminence of the Kingdom. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 16, 18-19 One of the greatest problems in the church is that many church leaders and believers alike think that the church and the kingdom of God are synonymous terms. That misunderstanding is perhaps the greatest factor in the powerlessness, ingrown focus, and dead religiosity characterizing the church today. Many lack a clear understanding of the purpose of God to restore His kingdom to the earth and the church's role in fulfilling that mandate. For that reason, there is no clear definition of what a church should look like, especially in today's postmodern theological religious environment. The basic premise of our discussion is that the church is not the ultimate end. It is a means to fulfill God's divine purpose. That purpose is for God's reign to be over all. This is because all creation was intended to be part of God's dominion, His kingdom. The culmination is for the will of God to be done on earth as it is done in heaven. That means for the principles of heaven to be reflected in the lifestyle of men on earth. It means for those principles that govern heaven to come and be used to rule over the earth, to bring part of heaven To be reflected on earth is the goal of creation. It is God's original intention. As I have mentioned, God created the earth for one purpose, to make the earth a copy or reflection of the kingdom of God. The Garden of Eden was planned to be a miniature reflection of the kingdom of heaven. And the man was created in the image of God and assigned to rule, to have dominion, as the manager of the planet earth just as God is the manager of the universe. So when that plan failed because of Adam and Eve's fall, Jesus came to the earth to restore the original purpose of God. He came so that the kingdom would be restored on earth, the nakedness of humanity would be covered, and the will of God would be done. Jesus brought the values, principles, and lifestyle of the kingdom to earth. He teaches us how to live in his kingdom. His coming to earth restored the kingdom of God to the earth. His perfect obedience to the Father's will, which ultimately took him to the cross of Calvary to redeem us from our disobedience, succeeded in restoring the understanding of the kingdom to us, of God, to earth. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary to conquer sin that had ruled all of mankind through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. For those who would receive his resurrection reality, he gave them the Holy Spirit, filling them with the glory of God so that they might extend the presence of God, his dominion and rule, throughout the earth. He empowered believers in the early church to extend the character, principles, and lifestyle of the kingdom wherever they went. Their entire lives would reflect the will of God who is in heaven, now residing in their spirit, to be released to fill the whole earth the glory of God covering the earth as the waters that cover the sea. In the domain of God, the kingdom of God, is where we find the heartbeat of God, the dream of God, and His passion. 
It follows that those who are citizens of this domain, who believe in Christ and call themselves Christians, should be filled with that same dream, passion, and priority for life. They should be advancing the kingdom where they are. Since God's will is for His values and the lifestyle of heaven to reign on the earth, those who name Him as their Father should reflect His will in who they are and all that they do. As a believer, the advancement, increase, and multiplication of the kingdom of God should become the motivation, passion, and goal of your life pursuits. The Church, the Greatest Organism on Earth The Church is the greatest organism in the world. When empowered by the Spirit of God, the body of Christ is the most potent force on earth, endowed with divine authority to rule and reign according to the principles of the kingdom of God. The church was formed to expand the kingdom of God. It follows that the church is not the kingdom of God, but citizens of the kingdom of God. The church is the hope of God for fulfilling His will and heartbeat that heaven's glory be extended once again throughout the whole earth. As the redeemed community of believers gather together to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, we are to restore the character and lifestyle of God's domain, the kingdom of God, on the earth as God originally planned. So how does the church fit into this heartbeat, this passion of God for the restoration of His kingdom on earth? And why did Jesus say He would build His church? The church was birthed as citizens of the kingdom and the instrument of God to advance his purpose for the kingdom, establishing the principles and lifestyle of the kingdom of God, extending God's principles into every sphere of life, is the eternal purpose of the church, a key reason for its existence. Jesus established the focus of the church on the kingdom. He did not want us to misunderstand his mission and become self-serving instead of being focused on establishing the kingdom of God. He taught only the kingdom of God. He did not start his own religious movement or denomination during his ministry on earth. If he had, we would have built a monument to his life work and bowed down to worship at its shrine. We would have missed the essence of his message. Jesus introduced the concept of the church just before he returned to his Father, giving the disciples understanding that the church was a vehicle to promote the restoration of the kingdom of God. And he took sole responsibility to build his church, declaring that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18-19 To the disciples he said, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 19 He did not give them keys to the church. He gave them the keys to the kingdom. The keys were for the establishing of his kingdom. Even as he introduced the church, he focused the disciples' attention on the kingdom. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, 19. This spiritual authority was given to believers not to focus on being occupied managing other church members, but to learn to extend God's reign throughout the earth, bringing the will of God to earth as He originally intended. In no way does this understanding of the kingdom diminish the importance of the church or our inheritance as children of God. On the contrary, it reveals our divine purpose and makes possible the fulfillment of our eternal destiny for every believer. The church is the vehicle through which the kingdom can be extended. 
Despite all the failures and weaknesses of his church, God does not have any other plan to extend his kingdom on the earth. The church is the body of Christ through which the message of and power of the kingdom will be proclaimed to the whole world. It is imperative that we understand that the church is not an end in itself. This can lead to self-serving. Building a big, successful church with prestige and popularity is not the goal. The kingdom of God, its priority, principles, purpose, values, and lifestyle, is the ultimate purpose of God on the earth. Relative to that divine purpose, the church is the most important medium of extending the kingdom. That is its mandate as taught in the scriptures. The Absolutism of the Kingdom, the Relevance of the Church To clarify the role of the church as the vehicle to extend the kingdom of God on the earth, we must understand the scriptures that teach the kingdom is absolute while the church is relative. That is, the ultimate will of God resides in his domain, the kingdom of God. The church reflects his will. This understanding will clarify the relationship of the church and the kingdom. The Truth of the Kingdom Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6 He came to restore the kingdom of his Father to the earth as we have discussed. The kingdom of God is where we find truth and life. Jesus is the King, and we are transferred to his kingdom as we come to the Father. That is why we must be born again by the Spirit of God to enter the kingdom to become citizens of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit comes into us and restores us to relationship with God, teaching us to obey the principles of the kingdom and live the kingdom lifestyle that reflects the character of God. It is then that we discover our citizenship as the church, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 As born-again believers, we are birthed into the church where we can be nurtured in the life of the kingdom. As we learn the ways of the kingdom, our thinking is transformed and we are filled with the passion of God for the expansion of his kingdom, bringing others into the kingdom and extending the principles of the kingdom into all spheres of society. There, we are to be equipped to discover our own destiny, our promised land, where we will extend his reign throughout the earth, extending the domain of his kingdom. The entire New Testament is filled with the principles of the kingdom, teaching us to love one another and to reflect the love of God in all we do. The Apostle Paul declares, The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14.17 When Jesus gave his disciples the keys to the kingdom, he gave them power to unlock the spiritual realities of the kingdom lifestyle God intended mankind to enjoy from the beginning of creation. Focusing on extending the kingdom of God results in fulfilling eternal destiny, taking dominion over the earth as Adam and Eve were instructed to do. The Role of the Church According to the scriptures, the church is the pillar and support of the truth, which is the kingdom of God. These things write I unto thee, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. 1 Timothy 3, 14-15 Jesus is the truth. He is the embodiment of the kingdom of God, the King himself. He is the head of his body, the church. Our role as believers is to embody the truth of his kingdom 
and disseminate it throughout the earth. The Apostle Paul describes the church as the pillar and support of the truth. So the kingdom of God is the truth. The church is the pillar and support of the truth. The truth the church holds is a reflection of the truth of God. This clarifies the role of the church as being relative to the kingdom of God, which is absolute. God is counting on the church, the body of Christ on the earth, to extend the domain of King Jesus. A pillar upholds the weight of the edifice to which it is attached. Society is to be upheld by the truth of the kingdom, which is resident in the church because we have the spirit of truth. So if the church loses its influence and voice in the society, the pillar collapses and consequently the moral fabric of our culture collapses. The eternal values that God intended to motivate the community to health and well-being disintegrates. Even the economy is affected negatively when truth is not upheld. If the church loses its ability to establish truth as the pillar upon which society rests, every sphere of life will experience deterioration and destruction. Let's review again the seven major spheres of life. 1. Spiritual, social. 2. Government, politics. 3. Business, economy. 4. Education, science. 5. Media. 6. Culture, entertainment. As the foundation and the pillar of the truth of the kingdom of God, the church is responsible to penetrate every sphere of society. Like leaven, it is to permeate every part of our culture, transforming it to reflect the values, principles, and lifestyle of the kingdom, bringing light into the darkness of a godless society. Why has much of Christendom not embraced this awesome responsibility? When people don't know the purpose for which a thing is created, they abuse it. Because the purpose of the church has been misunderstood, the church has become powerless to subdue the earth by extending the domain of Christ. In too many instances, the church has become self-serving, and in doing so, the church has actually brought reproach to Christ, the King. Many leaders of the church in today's society have redefined the purpose of the church. Rather than to build an organism centered on God's purposes, they are building an organization centered on their own people, to make people feel good about themselves, to meet their needs, and to satisfy the agenda of the pastor. This is, in stark contrast, to a living, breathing organism that moves in harmony with one purpose, to extend the life of God throughout planet Earth. The church is ordained to pronounce and proclaim the truth of the kingdom everywhere. It stands to defend those biblical truths and manifest their reality throughout the earth. The church is not the truth, but it is a reflection of truth. It is God's organism destined to propagate the truth. This reality testifies to the absolutism of the kingdom and the relativity of the church as well. The biblical purpose for the church, as we have mentioned, is to release the truth of God into all spheres of society, to disseminate the virtues of God into the earth, to uphold the truth of God, and to work to bring His will to every area of life. When we realize the purpose for the church is to establish the truth of the kingdom, we understand that the church is not the kingdom, but a part of the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom with a most important role to play. Viewing the church as an end in itself becomes a man-centered view, 
The church is a vehicle to propagate the truth of the kingdom of God. There are Christians in every walk of life, regardless of their church training, who have discovered their God-given mandate and are walking in this truth of extending the kingdom in their sphere of life. One National Football League star has made tremendous impact by using his fame as a platform to reach multitudes of youth and others with the testimony of his faith in Christ. Aeneas Williams, who played for the Arizona Cardinals and St. Louis Rams before retiring, appeared in eight Pro Bowls. During his football career, Williams earned a reputation as a quiet leader who professed a deep Christian faith. In the locker room, teammates often sought him out to help them put things in perspective. He now serves as pastor of a church he and his wife founded in suburban St. Louis, Missouri. His approach to pastoring is summed up in his stated goal, quote, The hope is that each person who attends has a personal relationship with the Lord that's practical and that they're able to take that relationship and share it with someone else, End quote. The Spirit of the Kingdom The kingdom of God is more than principles and values based in the truth of the kingdom. The kingdom is also reflected in the Spirit of Christ. When you are born again, receiving Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit quickens your spirit, making you alive to God. Your ultimate destination is heaven, but the purpose for which you were born is to fulfill God's purposes on earth. God's presence dwells in you by His Spirit, restoring His glory throughout the earth that glory that was lost because of sin. As the scriptures teach, it is Christ in you the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. The glory of God is restored to earth through redeemed believers who embrace the principles and values of the kingdom and show forth the Spirit of Christ everywhere they go, spreading the salvation experience with others. The Spirit of the kingdom is reflected in grace. The principles of the kingdom are revealed in truth. The Apostle John wrote of Christ, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 1, 14-17 Both grace and truth must dwell in you. Legalism, the practice of principles without grace, becomes an oppressive religious burden, such as that which the Pharisees placed upon the people of Israel. And grace, when devoid of the principles of the kingdom, can become license and unwittingly condone unrighteousness, negating the truth of the kingdom. However, where the principles of the kingdom are practiced, even among non-believers, They help to establish a society upon truth and righteousness. For example, a society that adopts the kingdom value of honesty as a standard of living will be less vulnerable to stealing, fraud, or other dishonest practices. They will tend to trust each other and enjoy peace in their relationships, their business, and community living. These principles of righteousness lead them to salvation. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Through receiving the grace of God for salvation, they are able to escape the consequences of wrongdoing in hell. And those who have received the grace of God for salvation, we can bring the kingdom value of honesty, 
to permeate society, contributing to its peace. Kingdom principles work for all who embrace them, and to whatever degree they embrace them. The Scope of the Kingdom The fact that the principles of the kingdom work in unbelievers, as well as believers, also illustrates the absolutism of the kingdom. The benefits of the kingdom do not belong only to the church or the Christian faith. Let me explain. Earlier, I referred to the fact that all of humanity is wired for the kingdom. The laws and principles of the kingdom are imprinted in the DNA of our being. For that reason, the kingdom of God encompasses governments and societal systems and entire cultures. To whatever degree a society comes under the rule, the dominion, of the principles of the kingdom of God, his righteousness will be reflected in that society. For example, a society where marriage is sacred and divorce is not encouraged will enjoy the kingdom benefit of strong families. Marriage is a kingdom value and a principle for righteous relationships. Even a society that does not know or adhere to the Christian faith will reap the blessing of this kingdom value. They will know the order in family relationships that God intended to characterize his kingdom. The truths of the kingdom, while they can be violated, cannot be broken. They reward the person or society that embraces them and penalizes those who attempt to overrule them. In that regard, the kingdom of God cannot be monopolized, either by the church or any person. Too often, the church has presumed that the benefits of the kingdom belongs only to it, is represented only by it, and is characterized by its actions, attitudes, and agenda. In this way, the church has tried to monopolize the kingdom much like the Pharisees did in Israel during Jesus' ministry. They rewarded and penalized people according to their religious creed, their interpretation of the scriptures, their dogma and cultural expressions of worship. Jesus' indictment against them was powerful. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against me, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Matthew twenty three thirteen. Because the DNA of all humanity is wired for the kingdom, the scope of the kingdom of God is greater than the church. The church does not have a monopoly on the kingdom of God. The principles of the kingdom are absolute, transcending society, religious orders, and all of humanity. In this sense also the church is relative to the kingdom. It is the vehicle entrusted to extend the principles and values of the kingdom on the earth. The purpose of the church is to cultivate a lifestyle of redeemed people who embrace kingdom principles and make their priority to extend God's reign across the earth to the glory of its rightful Lord and King. Jesus Christ. If the church does not understand and properly define the kingdom and understand its divinely ordained relationship to that kingdom, it cannot function in its purpose to extend the kingdom of God on earth. For that reason, there is such a plethora of organizations called churches doing their own thing, promoting their own causes, and ultimately deceiving people with their religious dogmas. Knowingly or unknowingly, they are shutting up the kingdom to people who may be sincerely seeking to know God. The Believer's Mandate The dream of God is for the values and principles of the kingdom of God to reign on the earth through the jewel of his creation, mankind, made in his image. 
To that end, he sent Jesus to restore us to the kingdom, teaching us its principles, living the lifestyle of the kingdom, and then sacrificing his life on Calvary to purchase our redemption and entry into the kingdom as citizens. The church has often done well in presenting the gospel of salvation through Christ alone to unbelievers. However, it has not always presented the mandate of the scriptures regarding the kingdom. That divine mandate is that every believer works to extend the kingdom of God throughout the earth, living a lifestyle that is motivated to demonstrate the principles and values of the kingdom in their personal life and promised land, their sphere of life. For example, in Kiev, the believers have been well taught that the only reason they are alive is to accomplish a certain mission for which God created them. So after people are born again, Their primary assignment and pursuit is not to get a good job that pays well or try to resolve all their life problems. They do not live for personal success, but rather to find out what God has sent them to the earth to do and to pursue the fulfillment of it. Believers in Kiev are busy with this divine pursuit, praying and seeking what assignment they are supposed to carry out on the earth. A very touching example is that of Life Without Justification, Foundation, and Club. It centers on the story of a young man named Volodya who had become paralyzed due to the abuse of drugs. Having spent years in bed and making several attempts to commit suicide, he said, I just wanted to die. I feared being a physically challenged person meant that my life was worth nothing. He was brought to Pastor Roman's church and ministered to through a rehabilitation center of the Embassy of God Church, where he began to listen to kingdom teaching. Even though he couldn't talk or walk, he discovered that despite his physical challenges, God still wanted him to bring forth fruit for the kingdom and be a source of blessing to others. Velodya started his Life Without Justification Foundation from his sick bed and wheelchair by searching for and interacting with people through the internet. Through his encouragement to other physically challenged people like him, he has developed a network of young men and women who are also paralyzed. Some can't talk, speak, or stand. They have learned how to carry purpose and hope for a meaningful life to people like themselves as well as to others who do not share their physical challenges but are filled with psychological ills living lives full of excuses for why they cannot enjoy a purposeful, meaningful life. When we get to heaven, our ministries are not going to be judged by how big our budget was, what size of property we had, or by how many church members we had in our pews, but only by how much positive influence we have brought to this needy world. That is why the focus of the local church should not be in trying to retain as many church members active in church-based programs, but rather to equip them and send them out into the world to bring the influence of the kingdom to all spheres and areas of life, multiplying the number of kingdom citizens, making a kingdom impact. For that reason, in our church in Kiev, I always tell my members that my primary assignment is to get rid of them. In other words, from the pews to the streets, so that they can contribute salt and light to the many needs of society and nation. The kingdom transcends all religion. I have explained that, even in our fallen state, the principles of the kingdom of God are programmed into our consciousness, written on our spiritual DNA. We are made in the image of God. 
even without being restored to relationship with God through faith in Christ alone, receiving Him as Savior and Lord, the principles and values of the kingdom seek to take dominion in our lives. They chide us, crowd into our consciences, and try to persuade us of their righteousness. Jesus described this divine influence as the work of the Holy Spirit on the earth. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. John 16, 7-11 The Holy Spirit came to reprove the world. No one is exempt from His work. He is the divine agent sent to establish the kingdom of God on the earth that Jesus restored us to through His death and resurrection. The Spirit of God is not limited to a religion because the kingdom of God is not a religion. It transcends religion. There is no salvation to be found in religion. Salvation is only received through faith in Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God is not promoted by religion, not even Christian religion. Let me explain. The kingdom of God belongs to everyone. When the church tries to clothe the kingdom in religious norms, the world rejects it. Jesus did not establish a religion or denomination. He demonstrated the love and lifestyle and taught the principles of the kingdom. Though he came to the Jewish nation, the scriptures declare that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. John 1.11 Jesus wept over Jerusalem as the city that killed prophets and did not receive him as their Messiah. Matthew 23.37 Indeed, the religious leaders of Israel condemned him to death. The apostles later received the revelation that God's grace was also for the Gentiles, including all nations. The Old Testament prophesies of the Gentiles, pagan nations other than Israel, coming to the light, Isaiah 42, 6. And the New Testament records Peter's revelation of God's grace being given to them as well. He was sent to the house of Cornelius, a centurion, who sought God earnestly. Peter and his Jewish friends were astonished when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles who gathered to hear the gospel of the kingdom in Cornelius' house that day. Acts 10. The Apostle Paul understood that religion was a barrier to the gospel of the kingdom. In Athens, he preached to the philosophers and others concerning the unknown God that they worshipped. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Acts 17, 24-27 once again, in the preaching of the apostles, the truth of the kingdom transcends race, religion, and all of mankind's tradition. It transcends culture 
and every godless system of government, every humanistic or atheistic tenet, and all religious values, the power of the kingdom of God to take dominion over every false philosophy and religious order has its origin in the Creator Himself. The prayer of the Apostle Paul reveals this truth, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Colossians 1, 9-10, through 13-17 It is clear from these and other scriptures that any power that has dominion apart from God is inferior to the power of God. The power of redemption through Christ transcends the power of world religions and every other power of darkness that blinds the eyes of men and women from the truth of the kingdom of God. A Muslim is a Muslim because of religious teaching and cultural traditions. He is a Muslim in his mindset, but he was created in the image of God. Buddhism, atheism, humanism, and every other religious mindset is subject to the laws of the kingdom. Because the laws of the kingdom of God are written into our DNA, preaching those principles of the kingdom transcends their religious dogma. The power of truth breaks the power of darkness in their religious mindset. Then they are free to receive Christ as the way, the truth, and the life and be born again. Some have asked me, How would I preach the kingdom of God in Western nations? I tell them I have the key that will turn a country around in five years. Islamists, Buddhists, and Muslims alike would accept my preaching. All would accept the teaching of the principles of national transformation that are working for us in Ukraine. As they embrace these principles, which are universal, society can be transformed and the way prepared for the truth of Christ to be preached. For example, one of the lessons for national transformation I teach is that a country does not become great by virtue of their wealth. The greatness of a country is established instead by the wealth of their values. Greatness is not a result of a country's wealth of natural resources. If that were the case, African countries would be the greatest nations of the world. They are rich in minerals, precious stones, gold, silver, and other natural resources. But because of their value systems, graft, stealing, dishonesty, corruption in government, and greed rule their societies. These countries are doomed to failure, poverty, and smallness. Their wealth is stolen, the people are deceived, and there is no way forward for development of greatness as a nation. What changes a nation is the truth of the Word of God working by the Spirit of God. This truth involves the teachings of Jesus regarding the principles of the kingdom of God. If we will preach, not religion or Christian experience, but rather the truth of the Word of God, and allow the Spirit of the Lord to work, then we will discover that kingdom principles work everywhere. On the other hand, 
Unbelievers resist religiosity, even the Christian religion. This reality reveals the wisdom behind our using a lot of non-profit organizations in our country and others. In this way, we are not preaching religion to the world. Instead, we are showing the love of God and declaring and extending the principles of the kingdom there, believing the Spirit of God to do the transformation. This biblical approach to evangelism explains why we have the astounding results that we do in Ukraine. When a society is established in the biblical values of dignity, honesty, hard work, kindness, generosity, and benevolent government rule, all principles of the kingdom of God, it will flourish economically and in every way. When those values are prevalent in a society, even if it is a pagan and serving a false religion, the principles of the kingdom of God will work for them to establish a peaceful society. Choosing to abide by kingdom values and principles, even if they are not Christians, will bring the reward inherent to those principles. This prepares people to understand salvation, that which they need to be saved from, and that which they need to be saved to. There are nations that have higher economic standards and lower crime rates than America because their moral standards are higher than those of America. Other countries that have more natural resources of oil, gold, etc., without the necessary principles and values in their culture that will establish them, are riddled with crime, poverty, disease, and death. Someone asked why my country, which has a large population of praying Christians as well as tremendous natural resources, has not achieved greater development or success as a nation. Christian leaders answer that question by saying that they need to pray more. You will have to visit Nigeria to understand that the Christians in my nation pray more than almost any other country where I have visited. They pray intensely, loudly, and long. They gather for all-night prayer meetings and earnestly seek God together. But nations don't develop as a result of prayer unless they also embrace the principles of the kingdom as well. For example, stealing is a national sin in my country. Even Christians will leave a prayer meeting and go out and steal. They sometimes steal something valuable lying around in the prayer meeting. Until the kingdom principles of honesty, integrity, and hard work become the lifestyle of Christians, my nation cannot prosper. And the church that is not living the principles of the kingdom is not fulfilling its purpose to extend God's domain into society through the power of truth and love. Prayer alone cannot prevail over sinful lifestyles. Religion does not promote the kingdom. Religion has never been an honest broker for promoting the principles of the kingdom. For example, there was a time that some in the American church preached that only white people could be born again. Black people could not become Christians. Today, that same faulty rhetoric is often directed towards Arabs. They could never come to Christ to receive salvation. That religious mindset shuts up the kingdom to others. Whether you are Arab or Muslim or atheist or embrace any other religious philosophy, you can be regenerated by the Spirit of Christ and embrace the lifestyle of the kingdom of God. You can become a citizen by receiving the truth of salvation through faith in Jesus. It is this understanding that the power of the kingdom transcends religion that has motivated our church in Ukraine to embrace the whole world and every culture. We approach the world mindsets 
with principles and values of the kingdom of God. As they accept them, the way is prepared to bring them to Christ the King. We are not supposed to preach our church or religion. We are to present the kingdom and the king to all who walk in darkness. I am accepted by people from every religion because I bring the principles and life of the kingdom, which everyone can see the benefit of embracing. This approach opens the door to people who would not listen to your religious creed. The kingdom of God supersedes all forms of man-made religion. It has the inherent power to penetrate and overcome religious mindsets. Instead of talking in religious phrases and spouting religious doctrines, demonstrate the love of the kingdom, the humility and honesty of the kingdom. This is true religion, to visit people in their distress and speak truth in kingdom principles. Jesus brought the kingdom principles and presented them in the power of grace. The people recognized that he had taught with authority and not as the religious leaders of their day. That is where the authority resides and the truth of the principles demonstrated through a lifestyle filled with the grace of God. Recently, I had an experience in Kiev that confirms this truth. I was told that a Turkish man, a Muslim, was very desperate to see me. He had been in conversation with a group of girls in town who are members of our church. This Muslim was so impressed by the purity of life and godly principles of these ladies he decided to come and find out for himself what kind of church was responsible for such godly virtues. When I started talking to him, it was clear that he desired to be like one of us. However, his fear was that he was a Muslim and could not stop being a Muslim, even though he had a desire to receive Jesus Christ into his life. So I told him that the essence of the gospel is not to make you stop being a Muslim. You see, When you tell a Muslim he must become a Christian, it is like saying to an African he must become European before he can be a Christian. This is because being a Muslim is equated to their national identity as a person. In other words, an Arab sees himself as a Muslim. So to stop being a Muslim, to him, threatened his identity as an Arab, requiring that he should stop being an Arab. Therefore, I explained to my Turkish friend that he doesn't need to stop being a Muslim but that he only needs to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and confess his sins. This he said he was willing to do. Today, this very Turkish man, even though he still sees himself culturally as a Muslim, is one of our most active church members. He doesn't read the Quran anymore. In fact, he's addicted to the Bible. And he doesn't go to the mosque anymore either. And he testifies of all kinds of miracles that Jesus is doing in his life. Principles go before religiosity. That's why Jesus Christ didn't bring religion to the world. Rather, he brought a relationship with the Father that redeems the souls of men and women and restores them to the kingdom. Religion is man reaching toward God. With learned behavior and tradition, relationship with God transcends all of that. True Disciples of the Kingdom Remember, It was the religious leaders of Israel who killed Jesus. They would not accept the truth or the life they saw in Christ. They rejected his principles and the values he taught. They did not embrace his lifestyle of love and compassion that condemned their self-righteous, pompous ways. Their envy of his power to heal and his influence with the people, as recognized by the pagan leader Pilate, 
drove them to find ways to eliminate him. They wanted to preserve their prestigious position in the religious community of Israel. Such deception, based in pride and arrogance and religious dogma, is still killing the kingdom in today's religious world. Religious creeds are much easier to establish, and self-righteous behavior is easier to model than true righteousness that comes through the humility of becoming as a little child. Jesus told his disciples, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 3-4 Who qualifies to be considered true disciples in the kingdom? It is those who can produce the fruit of the kingdom. The character, lifestyle, motivation, and behavior, and life of Christ must be exhibited through those who dwell in the kingdom and possess it. The kingdom of God cannot be reduced to religion, owned by the church, or even limited to a denominational doctrine. It transcends religion, politics, culture, and national borders. The powerful principles and laws of the kingdom penetrate every level of society through those who have embraced them. If you call yourself Christian and do not produce the fruit of the kingdom, you do not belong to the kingdom. You don't deserve the kingdom because you have not received the king. Jesus said plainly, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. The cost of entering the kingdom of God, as I mentioned, involves denying yourself, your ego, and your carnal desires to embrace the king and his lifestyle of love and humility that Jesus demonstrated for us. Only in this way will you discover your destiny, your passion for promoting the kingdom of God, and your place of influence to subdue the earth to the will of God. There are many Christians and churches that do not produce the fruit of the kingdom. According to the scriptures, the kingdom will be taken from them and given to another. Jesus condemned chief priests and Pharisees who refused to embrace the kingdom he came to restore. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth its fruits. Matthew 21:43. No church can monopolize the kingdom. The Jews, the Christians, or any church organization cannot monopolize the kingdom of God. The Catholic Church tried to monopolize the kingdom of God, excluding anyone who did not follow their religious creed and become a part of their order. They established Peter as the bishop of the only church, the universal church. But the time came in which God transcended their imposed monopoly with the truth of the Reformation. The kingdom is absolute and transcends every human attempt to reduce it to their creed and dogma. Throughout history, God has restored the truth of his kingdom to those who would embrace it, choosing to live the lifestyle and allow the godly character to be formed that he demands. God demands that you produce the fruit of that kingdom to be qualified to dwell in the kingdom of God. Jesus said he would take the kingdom from the Jewish nation and give it to a nation that would embrace regeneration through his sacrifice on Calvary, receive salvation through the blood he shed, and extend the lifestyle and principles of the kingdom of God throughout the earth, producing the fruit of it. 
Less than a hundred years ago, Christians declared Africa to be the dark continent, the missionary graveyard. They discouraged people from going to preach to the African people the gospel of Christ. Some consigned African nations to hell, declaring that they were involved in witchcraft and voodoo. They declared that they were not destined to be saved. Some even declared that they were created to be slaves, to be raw material for the economic well-being of others. They concluded that Africans could not be Christians. They were pagans without hope of redemption. According to religious statistics, in Africa today, Christianity is leading Islam in its growth and is growing twice as fast as Islam. That is happening in spite of the terrible fact that in many places, people who convert from Islam to Christianity do so at the risk of their lives. Also, it must be considered that the projected growth of Muslims is based on birth rates of primarily Muslim nations and on immigration in other nations. Growth of Christianity, on the other hand, is based on voluntary conversion of individuals. According to these statistics, the growth of Christianity in Europe is decreasing and North American growth remains stable, while Africa's Christian population is growing rapidly. God is moving so powerfully by His Spirit that entire African nations are being born again, producing great churches and powerful ministers who are reaching into other nations. These pagans of yesterday are preaching the principles of the kingdom today. That dark continent that did not deserve to hear the gospel has spawned powerful ministers who have reached into the old European continent, establishing powerful churches and transforming cities and nations with the power of the gospel. African ministers are reaching the nations that refuse to give them the gospel. Many black ministers like myself are raising great churches in Europe and other continents. I can prophetically foresee a day when the power of God that is transforming Africa will be poured out on Muslims. They will be standing in my place preaching the gospel of Christ. The Arabs will preach the kingdom of God. The powerful underground church in China is preaching the gospel and winning millions of souls to Christ against all odds and through great suffering. The kingdom belongs to anyone who embraces the king and his truth life, and the lifestyle of the kingdom, producing the fruit of the kingdom. During Jesus' life, it was an accepted fact that only the nation of Israel was qualified to have the kingdom of God. Jesus declared that they were not qualified because the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Matthew twenty-one forty-two. The Jewish nation was the chosen people through whom the Messiah would come. But they were not worthy of the kingdom because they rejected the Messiah when he came. They clung instead to their feeling of superiority, their knowledge of religious creeds. They had embraced religion and were blinded to the Messiah when he appeared. Jesus told them plainly that if they did not embrace the life of the kingdom himself and the lifestyle he demonstrated, bringing forth the fruit of the kingdom, he would take it from them. With sorrow of heart, I stand to prophesy that if America is not careful, the kingdom of God shall be taken from her and be handed to nations she has considered mission fields. 
there must be an embracing of the lifestyle, values, and principles of the kingdom, promoting them in the educational, political, economic, and every other sphere of society for the blessing of God to rest upon a nation. The church is responsible to penetrate society with the kingdom truth and transform it by establishing its principles as the governing force, advancing the domain of the king and bringing the will of God to earth. However, most of the statistics relating to the American church reveal its increasing ineffectiveness to exert a positive influence on today's culture. They tell us that nearly 50% of Americans have no church home. In the 1980s, membership in the church had dropped almost 10%. In the 1990s, it worsened by another 12% drop. And now, over halfway through the second decade of the 21st century, the figures are dropping even more. The United States Census Bureau reported the following. Every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors compared to just over 1,000 new church starts. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. The United States now ranks third following China and India in the number of people who are not professing Christians. In other words, the U.S. is becoming an ever-increasing unreached people group. 20.5% of Americans frequently attended church in 1995. 18% of Americans frequently attended church in 2002. It is predicted that by extrapolating the data, these figures will drop to 15% of Americans in attendance at a church by 2025, with a continuing downward trend after that. Statistics from Barna Research reported recently that perhaps 50% of people who go to a church are not Christians. Call out, if America is not careful, the kingdom of God shall be taken from her. The kingdom does not belong to a race of people, a nation, to Christians, or any particular brand of church. They can embrace the kingdom and demonstrate its preeminence, but not exclusively. The kingdom rules through divine laws that apply to every person. It belongs to those who are qualified by faith to inherit the kingdom, regardless of race, religion, educational status, or economic position. Those who will be trusted with the life of the kingdom of God are those who are ready to produce the fruit of this kingdom. That fruit includes righteousness, holiness, integrity, love, forgiveness, long-suffering, humility, and signs and wonders. All of the divine attributes that Christ demonstrated and the New Testament teaches are at the disposal of those who choose to embrace the preeminence of the king and entry into his kingdom. They will promote its dominion on the earth and be a part of the answer to God's heartbeat, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Eternality of the Kingdom Another indication that the kingdom of God is absolute is that it is everlasting. Churches, denominations, and movements all come and go. That is clear from even a cursory reading of church history. Great revivals that resulted in thousands of converts to Christianity involved powerful signs and wonders and spawned great denominations have faded into antiquity, leaving behind one more religious organization. 
New churches in every generation spring up around those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and bring revival to a community, city, or a nation. As a vehicle for spreading the gospel of the kingdom, the church is only as effective as its leadership and each believer who determines to live the principles and lifestyle of the kingdom. When the church preaches only the gospel of salvation, without understanding the importance of extending the kingdom by presenting the principles of the kingdom, it has no social relevance. It cannot extend the kingdom throughout the earth. It is imperative that believers do not give their lives to service of a church instead of the church extending the kingdom. It may seem sincerely noble to do so. Giving your life to extending the kingdom is what will bring forth everlasting fruit and bring the will of God to earth. Embracing Christ and the principles of the kingdom will make you relevant and capable of bringing social change and transformation. Divine Inheritance Another indication of the absolutism of the kingdom is the divine inheritance promised to believers. Believers who embrace the kingdom reality do not inherit the church. The church is Jesus' inheritance. The inheritance of the church is the kingdom. Jesus promised that we will inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 31-34 When Christ returns, he sets the nations before him and judges them according to this criteria of the lifestyle of the kingdom. For I was and hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Matthew 25, 35-40 While the ministry of the church is relevant only for the earth, the kingdom is the reality of both heaven and earth. When the church gets to heaven, she will be the bride of Christ. This reality reveals not only the preciousness of the church to her Lord, but also indicates the divine character that the church is to demonstrate on the earth. The Apostle Paul used the analogy of the body of Christ to describe the church. He said that Christ is the head of the body, his church. In the natural, the head or brain determines every thought, action, attitude, and response of the body. It cannot function in life apart from the direction and empowerment of the head. The church that will inherit the kingdom of God must be completely surrendered to the mandates of the gospel of the kingdom. 
This may be the most insightful revelation of the divine nature and lifestyle that the church must exhibit on the earth to produce the fruit of the kingdom. Jesus' life demonstrated how the lifestyle of the kingdom reached out to every sphere of society where they were hurting, needy people, prisoners, hungry, thirsty, lonely strangers, sick and poor. And his parable about feeding the hungry revealed that those disciples who had demonstrated the love and compassion of the kingdom on the earth would inherit the heavenly kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. The reward for serving God through the vehicle of the church, the body of Christ, is to inherit the kingdom. As a pastor, I have learned that church members come and go, die, disappoint, and break a pastor's heart. I cannot look to my members for my reward. My reward is the kingdom which cannot be shaken. It is important for pastors to be faithful shepherds to the church, raise people up to be equipped to extend the kingdom throughout the earth. But it is equally important not to become attached to the church that you can see in front of you. It is not the end of your labor. Get your heart attached to God himself, his values and principles, and his heartbeat to spread the kingdom in the whole earth. Inspire, instruct, and empower believers to live and demonstrate the transforming power of the kingdom, reaching out to every sphere of life with the good news of the gospel. For all who will heed the message of the kingdom, learning to live its reality and spread its influence, the power of the kingdom will be demonstrated through them. Because Jesus had only one purpose, to do God's will, to restore the kingdom of God to the earth, the power of the Holy Spirit was given to him without measure. John 3.34. He did only what he saw his father doing. John 5.19. When believers surrender completely to the preeminence of God and his rule in extending the kingdom, they will experience the supernatural power of the kingdom in ways they did not think possible. As we prepare to discuss the power of the kingdom in the next chapter, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I ask you for the zeal of thine house to burn in my heart, filling me with a passion to extend your kingdom as the absolute purpose of your heart. Let me be a part in the sphere of influence you have given me of increasing your government, your dominion, and your peace. Please wash me of erroneous concepts of your church, the purpose for which you intended it, and my destiny as a believer. I embrace the revelation of these kingdom principles and ask you to show me how to demonstrate them in my life. Help me to focus my energies, resources, and my whole being on becoming a God carrier to extend your kingdom throughout the earth. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Kingdom Principles from Chapter 5 Number 1. When empowered by the Spirit of God, The body of Christ is the most potent force in earth, endowed with divine authority to rule and reign according to the principles of the kingdom of God. 2. Despite all the failures and weaknesses of his church, God does not have any other plan to extend his kingdom on the earth. 3. The kingdom of God is the truth. The church is the pillar and support of the truth. This fact makes the church relative to the kingdom. Number four, the church is not the truth, it reflects the truth. It is God's organism destined to propagate the truth. 
This reality testifies to the absolutism of the kingdom and the relativity of the church as well. Number five, the fact that the principles of the kingdom work in unbelievers as well as believers also illustrates the absolutism of the kingdom. Number six, the power of redemption through Christ transcends the power of world religions and every other power of darkness that blinds the eyes of men and women from the truth of the kingdom of God. Number seven, the kingdom is absolute and transcends every human attempt to reduce it to their creed, dogma, or their organization. Throughout history, God has restored the truth of his kingdom to those who would embrace it. Number eight, God demands that you produce the fruit of that kingdom to demonstrate that you are in the kingdom of God. Number nine, for all who will heed the message of the kingdom, learning to live its reality and spread its influence, the power of the kingdom will be demonstrated through them. Number 10. When believers surrender completely to the preeminence of the king and the principles of his kingdom, they will experience the supernatural power of the kingdom in ways they did not think possible.